Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Lindsay LaRusso of Nudnik. Lindsay is passionate about the circular economy. After spending 15 plus years innovating in the waste management space, she launched her own business along with her twin sister to tackle a growing global waste problem through their clothing brand, Nudnik. Nudnik takes the softest 100% organic cotton offcut fabrics and end-of-roll threads and trims that would otherwise pollute the planet, and they transform them into a unisex contemporary basics for kids with monthly rotating themes. Nudnik has successfully completed programs at the Joe Fresh Center for Fashion Innovation, Next Canada's Next Founders Program, and EY Velocity. Nudnik was selected for the Desjardins Good Spark program and as a finalist for the BMO Celebrating Women Grant program. Most recently, Lindsay was recognized as an entrepreneurial disruptor for the new Inniskillen Changemaker Initiative, a partnership with Startup Canada. Lindsay, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, the first question, as regular listeners will know, that I, that I like to ask uh, We'll set the tone for our conversation. What are the top pieces of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation today? Absolutely. Um, my top advice is really whatever industry you're in and really whatever you do, always keep our people and planet top of mind. Um, so today I really hope to inspire others to look at waste like I do as our greatest resource today. We use it as the raw material for all of our products. And if you're in a product-based business, you can use it too. So basically, an essential to adopt a circular mindset. Beautiful. Waste is our raw material. It can be yours. That mm -hmm. doesn't sound like a good thing, but I think it is. I believe it is too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what the circular economy is. I mean, I know, but just in case, you know, any of our listeners aren't sure. 
Absolutely. So in most industries, we're really in a linear um, economy. Um, and that really is like if you think about a product, we create it, we use it, and then it goes into landfill. A circular mindset or a circular economy is really where we're taking that product and turning it back into a new product. Um, so that can be done in a few different ways. Um, one could be looking at the waste that we create in a manufacturing process and using that to put back into even a new product. Or it means just looking at your actual product and when it enters landfill um, and designing it to then be used again. Okay, I want to get into the technical details of how the company works, but tell me about your products. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking here at nudniklife.com, seeing some spectacularly fun-looking, colorful kids' clothing. So to, to tell me about the product that, you're, that, that, that you make. Yeah, so it's, it's kids wear. It started as kids wear, and this year we're going to be launching a few different new products, and we're going to be transcending from kids wear as well into other product lines for adults too. So it's an exciting year for us. Um, but really what we do is Nudnik is a circular business, a circular fashion business where we're producing future proof kids wear. Um, so all of the products that we create are both made from waste and they'll never end up as waste as well. Um, and from what you can see on our website, it's also very important for us to look artful and contemporary because, you know, we get such a kick out of people that obviously want to buy our products because they, they're into sustainability, they're into zero waste living. Um, but it really like, you know, it really makes us happy when we get a customer that's just buying for the look as well. And we really look at that transaction as helping somebody get into the world of sustainable fashion or zero waste living. I'm intrigued by the fact that some of your products have some very interesting names, Creator play pants, disruptor t-shirts, game changer jumpers, hero band, hero band. Um, what kind of message are you giving to our kids? Definitely. I mean, Nudnik, what our brand name is, is means like little rascal or pest. And it's traditionally used with like almost a negative undertone. Like you're being a little rascal or you're being a pest. Um, but that's, we actually, how, that's how my mother used it with me. Yes. Well, you're in good company because me too. <laughs> and, um, you know, we really look at that as being positive, though. Like, you know, what makes a kid a pest? What makes a kid annoying? You know, they tend to ask a million questions. They might break the rules. Uh, maybe they'll rebuild them in a better way. You know, they're they're comfortable standing out from the crowd. And I think these are all essential things that we really want to encourage in this next generation. Um, you know, so for us, it came right down to what we do and how we disrupt the fashion industry, but also in naming our products. Like, you know, we want these pieces to be looked at as game changers, disruptors, um, you know, so it felt it felt right to give them those kind of big names as well. That's fantastic. This is what I love about entrepreneurs is that <laughs> their energy is so contagious. Um, so, so tell me about the journey launching Nudnik. What was your aha moment? Yeah, I know exactly what that was. So, um, you know, we grew up in the waste business. Uh, my, co my father co-founded Wasteco, a waste management company here in Canada about 45 years ago. So I really spent time at the yard and in the trucks as a kid. Um, you know, he went from one truck to hundreds that they have today and, and pioneering a lot of recycling initiatives that are standard practices here today as well. Um, so I always looked up to him. I always wanted to work for him. So I started working for Waysco at 19 and I worked my way around and up 
you know, over the course of that, the next 15 years. And that aha moment really came when I was on maternity leave with my first son. And we began to truly see waste as a resource. And it was really because of textiles. We were starting to get more and more information about five years ago, just how wasteful this fashion industry has become. And my sister, my twin sister and I, who are always working to kind of, you know, brainstorm and, and figure out different plans that we can do together, just really started to focus on waste as a resource and how we can use it to make new products. So um, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, aha moment really came uh, when the fashion industry started to become so very wasteful. And when you say wasteful, can you give us some examples of that? Like how much waste is produced if I'm producing a, a, a designer cocktail dress? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the fashion industry contributes more to climate change than international aviation and shipping combined. Um, yes, $500 billion of value is lost every year due to clothing underutilization and the lack of recycling for textiles. So this is a big, big problem globally. Um, you know, and that translates into the fact that we throw away about 90% of the clothes we own, which go into landfill. I think that there's a statistic like each person creates about 70 tons um, or pounds of, of textile waste a year. So, I mean, this is staggering. And, and really, like about five years ago, where that aha moment came in for us to start Nudnik was really when we started to really see this articulation of, of these horrifying stats within fashion. Um, and it's a direct byproduct of our overconsumption and fashion being something that we we really go through. Um, you know, we have people that want to wear a new outfit out on Friday. They go and buy a cheap one and that holds up for about another one or two wears and then it's in landfill. Um, and so, you know, this is translated from fashion into other industries as well. But yeah, it's 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 quite staggering. We've seen a lot of industries where going green has become a label of quality and and and, and caring and people are, um, you know, deliberately choosing to work with eco-conscious, eco-friendly suppliers. Are we seeing anything like that in fashion or is it still pretty much how it looks on the, on, uh, on the catwalk? No, we are. We are. Um, I think fast fashion is definitely the culprit. Um, but the fashion industry as a whole, there are a lot of amazing players and a lot operating within the circular space like Nudnik is um, changing the game. So the fashion industry is a $3 trillion industry. It's massive. Um, but just this week in Forbes, there was an article put out that recognized the opportunity for circularity in the fashion industry and recognized it as a $560 billion economic opportunity. So there's a lot of incentive to get involved in um, in good fashion. And I do believe that people are really voting with their purchasing power. Um, we're seeing it in trends right now with sustainability. And I do believe that that is the future. People are going to use their, their, their money for good. So tell me about the, the process of starting Nudnik. How do you start getting permission to get into people's waste streams and uh, salvage what you can? How, how does that actually work? Definitely. So when we started Nudnik, it sort of, it, I mean, it started out like a think tank of sorts, to be honest with you. Like we had that aha moment where we can look at waste as a resource and let's aim to turn that into new products. Kids wear, of course, made sense because we were looking at 
smaller forms of textile waste that would be great for the application of smaller garments. And it also connected with me having my first child. So that's kind of where the kids wear came from. Um, but when we started, we were looking at different forms of textile waste. There's two big categories. One is post-consumer. So those are all the clothes that we bought and wear and then we throw away. And there's also pre-consumer, which is the, the waste created during the manufacturing of new products. So, you know, when we started in Toronto, we were looking at um, buying 100 pound bales of gently used um, T-shirts and sweatshirts of adult sizes. And then we were just using that as fabric to cut out of our, our smaller pattern pieces to create kids wear. We were also getting in contact with a lot of local manufacturers who were producing offcuts as a byproduct of their own manufacturing um, and they were looking to give those away because what we know in the waste management industry is that the premium price you're paying for removal is for waste um, and it tends to be your heaviest waste stream so we knew that they were paying a premium to get it um, picked up as waste and there really isn't any recycling of textiles um, both locally and globally um, so they were giving that to us. And then another couple fun streams that we were finding was just designers who had end of roll fabrics that they wanted to get rid of. Um, and then also print shops, print shops that maybe misprint, you know, a bulk of sweatshirts with the wrong label or what have you. I mean, these things just get thrown out. So we were connecting with them as well. And we really built up this you know, very interesting supply chain of all of these various types of, of textile waste. And we were then turning them into small capsule collections of products. Um, so, you know, that think tank really essentially became our business plan and our business model. And then, as you mentioned before, we went through some pretty um, incredible accelerator programs here in Canada. And, you know, the big question became scale. How can we scale this business model? Because this fractured system of collecting this different forms of textile waste, um, you know, wasn't exactly lucrative or sustainable. So um, we, we began to think about what is the one type of textile or textile waste stream or one type of textile waste in general um, that we really want to work with. And, you know, that really brought us to the source because we recognized that this wasn't a local problem. This was a global one. And we looked at pre-consumer waste. You know, for parents, they want organic cotton. They want unused. They want soft. They want to know what's in it. And we didn't have that control when we were taking the post-consumer stuff. So we went to the source. We're now working with manufacturers overseas that produce a lot of the world's apparel. Um, we make sure that there's ethical practices in place and that they have a true understanding and willingness to go down this journey with us um, of upcycling. And we now use their off-cut fabrics to make our clothing. And so you're not using the post-consumer stream at all anymore? We're not. And it's not that we're not looking into it for other um, product lines that we have coming out. Specifically for the kids wear, the pre-consumer waste makes the most sense. We know it's organic cotton. We know that it's the, the, the factory we work with and partner with is GOT certified. So we know there's no chemicals in that fabric, no harmful chemicals. Um, we know what's in it. And it just it makes the most sense for kids wear. Right. And what's the structure of Nudnik? Are you a B Corp, a for-profit business, social entrepreneurs? How do you describe yourselves? We're for-profit. We're definitely social entrepreneurs, and we're looking to get B Corp status this year. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the products that you may, I mean, the, 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 the trouble with a uh, 
with social entrepreneurs is that they have like an even harder job than most other entrepreneurs because they've got to, um, you know, produce a good product at a good price and find their target market. Plus, they have to live up to sets of values and standards. Um, mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the difficult, the, you know, the problems that you faced in building an ethical brand. Absolutely. There's certainly challenges along the way. And you, you hit the nail on the head. We find ourselves trying to sell product and sell our brand, but also have this opportunity and challenge of really educating people as well. You know, when you're buying a Nudnik product, you're also getting education on why you should be buying a Nudnik product over another one. And of course, we don't want to go at people with um, you know, too much information and too much education. We want the experience to be fun as well. So I would say that that is the biggest challenge. And also it's changed. I mean, when we started this business in 2016, the industry wasn't being talked about in, in, in the way, in the context it is now. Like we knew it was dirty because we were understanding some of the stats that were being put together at that time. But a lot of our focus became about education because people didn't really even know what textile waste was. Um, now it's a different conversation. So the conversation, it's also just being on top of it and going with, you know, the, the amount of education that people are getting to over the course of a few years. So, you know, early on, it really looked like us talking about what is textile waste and this is what we're doing. And now it's a bit different. We're talking about textile waste in the context that a lot of people have, you know, a baseline level of how um, dirty the, the fashion industry is. Um, so we can focus on other things as well. Um, but I'd have to say that narration is one of the key challenges when it comes to making sure that our products are ethical and have the standards that, you know, we anticipated and that we we want to have. Um, it's really for us about partnering up with key people. So, you know, our factory partners in India, they are. Um, you know, they have all the ethical standards to make sure that their people are being treated fairly, respectfully and paid properly. Um, we know that they are producing garments that are GOTS and, you know, toxic free and all of these other good things. And they also have a standard that most other factories do not have, which is called UpMade. And UpMade shows that that factory is um, understands how to upcycle products and has built that in to their business model as well. So for us, it was really a key finding to partner with them because they hit, you know, that we, we checked off all of the boxes with them as well. I hate revealing my ignorance in front of an audience of thousands of people, but what's the difference between upcycling and recycling? So upcycling is basically taking a product and adding more value to it. So you'll see recycling is an end stage of something. And, you know, if you have a plastic bottle, for example, you're recycling that into something new and probably of this of similar value. Actually, recycling more often than not devalues the product. So upcycling is almost the opposite. It's adding more value to something. So, for example, we're using these off cut fabrics and just a kind of fun stat for everyone out there, this cutting waste which is the pre-consumer waste that we use for our products. The industry generates enough of it every year to give every person on earth 
six new t-shirts. So <laughs> it's an extreme abundance. So it, it gives you a little leverage in terms of the thinking of why we chose that as well as, as the material we want to work with. But that material just usually ends up in landfill or burn because it tends to be smaller pieces that is really no use to anyone. Um, so we are upcycling that we're taking something that would likely just go to landfill or burned and we're, we're turning it into something of value. This is amazing. It sounds like you're involved in a lot of interesting things. Can you just give us a snapshot of what Nudnik looks like now? Are you profitable? Are you growing? How many employees do you have? That sort of thing. Yes, we are profitable. Um, we started out in the last year and a half with our Disruptor t-shirt. So that was the first product we'd made in this new way of working with our overseas partners on the pre-consumer cutting waste. Um, so it was a smash hit. You know, we started off with a small run. Um, we did about three times that in volume that year. Um, and then COVID hit. So COVID hit when we were going to be introducing um, our full collection of products based off of that original one t-shirt. Um, so COVID happened and unfortunately our supplier overseas went under and we were forced to find new partners, which we did and we're very happy we did because like I said before, they really checked off a lot of the boxes that we were we wanted plus like the additional certification of the upmade, which was, was you know, very exciting. Um, and then we just got our recent collection here. And now we've gone from one t-shirt to seven new styles and basics for kids ages one to six, as well as a multi-purpose accessory. Um, what's really exciting about our growth is now we're producing monthly. Um, and this isn't something that is seen in the industry very often. Most brands, they focus on giving a new collection like each season or quarter. But right. for us, there was a lot of time that was going to be a loss of the waste captured from our, our manufacturing's end. And if this was going to be a true process, we didn't want to have these gaps in the collection of this. We wanted to start somewhere monthly, be able to build as we scale, and then continue just to use that waste as it's coming in and really divert it from where it would typically go with them into our Nudnik product. So we're now releasing um, new collections every month. And we're introducing three new products um, this year as well in different categories. So you'll see an adult product from us. You'll see a home product from us. Um, and this is really a good indication of, of the different growth that we're doing um, in, in various categories as well. So the big picture idea for Nudnik this year and beyond is really to turn into a um, lifestyle brand that offers many products made from waste that will never end up as waste. Um, so it's an exciting time for us. We've gone from just my sister and I, we had um, a lot of different fashion interns in the process uh, of growth. And we're introducing three new team members this year um, to tackle different facets of the business. So um, it's an exciting pivot for my sister and I, too, who have kind of, you know, run the helm, the two of us um, with some other helpers along the way, a lot of automation um, into the idea that we are really starting to see our team expand. So um, COVID was a bit of a lull for us and we're really ramping up now. Wow. <laughs> so much to unpack out of all of that. Can you tell me anything? Uh, give me any hints about the new products? 
So there's a couple hits I can give you. And the reason why we're expanding is normally you would see a fashion brand or a company go from adult wear and then offer kids wear. Right. So you know our origin story and how we started and why we started with kids wear. But almost every order that we've ever gotten for our kids product is an adult behind it asking when we're going to have something for the adult. So it has been in the works for a while. Um, it's exciting to be able to get into the space. When we were working in Toronto with the different forms of textile waste, there was never enough to be able to produce an adult product, whereas now there is. The other exciting thing, you're going to see the adults as a spawn off from our kids wear line. So basics, um, that kind of thing made from organic cotton fleece in Jersey. Um, we're starting to work with a denim manufacturer as well. Um, they are leading the way in denim recovery, sustainability on a global scale. And we're going to be partnering with them to use their offcuts for new products. And that will be for both kids and adults. Are we going to see the same like big, bold colors for adults? Because yes, that's a game changer to coin. Yeah, colors. absolutely. And that's why we just love color. You don't see it in that way right now. But right now on our site, we're offering all of our basics in our in our signature color block, but also in solid styles. And you'll see the same for adult wear too. So you'll see some of the color block and some of the solid styles. So we're really hoping to hit people that want to stand out of the crowd and be a true nudnik in the color block. And then some people just want to kind of pare it down a little bit and wear one of the solid styles. Um, but it's also a way for us to show our versatility with working with the scrap too. Um, denim, you'll see the same way. We're going to be using denim in a really cool and fun color block patch way. Um, using the offcuts as well. And the denim that we're using is 100% made from cotton as well. So no synthetics in there. Um, you're going to see something in the homeware space, which is very exciting because our current factory partners do produce a lot of homeware stuff. And what, what um, does homeware mean? Pillows, quilts, oh, blankets, that type of thing. Um, and then a really exciting thing. I can't give anything away to that much right now, but perhaps we'll have to do a follow-up, is, is Nudnik's really getting into the collaborative spirit this year. Um, so we have a couple really large collaborations in the works that we're super excited to be able to share with everybody. Um, but this is another example of the versatility that Nudnik has as a solution to other forms of waste that other brands create as well. Um, you know, so we're taking waste that that others are creating and we're turning it into a collaborative kind of limited capsule collection type thing of products. Um, and we're doing that with a couple different people. So um, it's a very exciting year for us to build from what we started with with kids wear to really be this lifestyle one stop shop where you can get a multitude of different products um, made in this way. And that has that nudnik vibe, that cool color block, uh, colorful vibe. Uh, that's very cool because yeah, the, 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 your your colors. I mean, they just shine, um, and and you don't see that sort of thing a lot anymore. It looks very I know eighties or something in some way. Although the colors are are much brighter and bolder than than you know back. No, then. but you're right. That patchwork is is reminiscent for sure of the eighties and nineties. Um, and what's interesting is is we never really. I mean, we got into this thinking let's do contemporary patchwork because it makes the most use of the scrap. Um, but we never looked at patchwork as an, a, a big trend, but we happen to fall in it. Like patchwork is a trend right now. And um, WGSN, which is a, a global trend forecaster, um, positioned Nudnik in 2021 as a big idea in terms of the look of our products being that patchwork vibe that's really trendy right now, but also, of course, in the way we make them. 
Right, right. Fantastic. Um, obviously, you sell through the website. Do you have other retail channels? Yes, we sell through the website, but we're also in about 50, almost 60 boutiques across North America, and we're in Indigo Chapters as well. So uh, we're in Indigo Chapters with our previous t-shirt, and we're working uh, together to get our new stuff in there as well. Is clothes something new to Indigo? I know that they do lots of blankets. Yeah, <laughs> it's do. the go-to Christmas present. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, they they don't do adult wear. They do they do offer kids clothes in their kids section. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, the, the circularity of things is that more and more manufacturers are sort of being expected to take responsibility for their products after they reach the end of their useful life. So does Nudnik do anything to uh, reclaim, retool, recycle uh, the your products? Yes, this is another very exciting part of Nudnik, and this is where the waste background really comes into play as well. So there's a, there's some more ingenuity that goes into our design process and our engineering of our products, which is that we use monomaterials. So monomaterials refers to using one material source in the product. So with Nudnik, our, our entire garments are made from cotton. So it's made from that organic cotton offcuts, the pre-consumer waste. And we're also using 100% organic cotton thread um, and tags. Now, this is important because most the reason why most things in general, most products in general, but especially textiles and clothing end up in landfill is because most clothing today is made of a mixture of synthetic and natural fibers. So we just know that um, in terms of creating a product that's actually going to have an end of life, be recycled or composted, we know we have to use a single material source. So because we use cotton um, and we don't have any harmful dyes in our clothing, our clothing essentially can be composted because it's a natural product. So we are currently testing the compostability of our products with uh, Walker Brothers in Niagara, which is a, is a large um, composting um, operator and processor here in Canada, in Niagara region. And what's important about this is, although we know that our products are compostable because they're made of a natural fiber, if you were just to put our t-shirts or our, our, our garments into your compost bin, they would be weeded out during the sorting process um, at that facility. So the same goes- Weeded with, out in what? When, you, when the composter receives all of the compost, they yeah. do a big sort through, through right. equipment. But what would happen to the cotton? Does it, do they throw it out because they can't turn it into mulch or what? Well, it's too big. Their sorters just simply weed that out with the plastic bag. So plastic bags, as you can imagine, are a big problem with compost because we a lot of times put our compost individually in these bags. Um, mm. And so, you know, it's it's also a problem with compostable bags in general is a lot of them are most of them, if not all of them, are just being weeded out with the other plastic. Their sorting <laughs> facilities, right? Like their sorting facilities, like that. we like to think that they are, you know, have this amazing technology and they do, but their sorting facilities aren't, you know, aren't being able to distinguish a plastic bag from a compostable one. To them, that's a bag. And a t-shirt would be large enough in the same context to be weeded out as well. So it wouldn't be composted. And we just know that from understanding the way waste works and the way waste is sorted. So 
the testing that we're doing right now is to determine how small we have to get our customers to chop up that garment or their packaging before they put it in the compost bin. So we're just committed to knowing that our products will actually get recycled or composted. Um, and this is the process in which we're going through right now to make sure that we're giving our customers the right information on how to do that properly. I was reading something the other day that said that there was a survey done that said that uh, flexitarians and people who really care about the, the the nutrition of the food they eat that they'll pay you know fifty percent more for a vegetarian product or a healthier version of the standard commoditized food. Do you have a feeling for how much people are willing to pay for kids' clothes extra if they think that they're making a difference in the environment? Absolutely. With children, people are more likely statistically to buy um, from brands that are doing good or products that are sustainable or doing good as well. So we know that statistically. And I do think that that's going to become the norm even for people as adults to buy for themselves as well. Um, you know, we we. Um, Forever 21 is, is a wonderful example. A couple, a couple of years ago, two years ago, um, going into bankruptcy, here's a massive fast fashion brand that just did not get on board with the times of sustainability and ultimately it decimated them. So I do think that the industry and industry in general is going the right way and that we're going to see more and more people, um, again, that word, use your purchasing power for good. So our price range, like we are not the cheapest clothes on the shelf in no way, shape or form, but it's also important to note that usually when you see a, a piece of clothing that's super cheap, that cost is being absorbed somewhere else. And it's usually in the unpaid pair or unpaid workers making it overseas um, and in the quality as well. So our product range is actually on the mid to lower end of a contemporary organic brand. So we're actually really proud of, of the pricing model that we've been able to do, especially doing the process that we do as well. Um, so it is affordable for people that are looking to um, bring in those types of products to their kids' wardrobe, for sure. Right. What, what would you say is, did you have an, some end goals in mind, some strategies? Do you really want to get into Walmart or is your strategy never to get into Walmart? Uh, where do you see yourself five years from now? Absolutely. And it is growing. It is growing with um, our e-commerce. So it is growing with our B2B business, just continuing to make products for people to access online. Um, but what's really interesting, too, is um, the indigos of the world, all of these smaller boutiques that we're in as well. Um, they all have an alignment with us in terms of curating products um, that are good, that have a good story, that have a sustainable element to it. And I do think that this is the trend. We're seeing a lot of marketplaces pop up, um, especially because of COVID, because people are accessing more and more online and they want alternatives to Amazon that um, they know they can go to to access products that are made ethically and sustainable. Um, there's four new uh, major marketplaces that have opened up. We're now going to be in the Green Living Show marketplace. We're going to be like Hudson's Bay. We're speaking to them about their new um, marketplace that they've just launched. Um, there's a couple in the U.S. as well. And uh, I do think that that's one of the biggest trends. And this is exciting for consumers as well, because this means that you can go to a one-stop shop 
um, and find a whole breadth of products that are made ethically. They've done that hard work for you. So I do think that um, that this is the trend and part of Nudnik's business model moving forward is not only to build up our e-commerce and our, our breadth of product in our own under our own umbrella, but to really work with a lot of good people doing similar stuff um, on a global scale. And it's also what's going to help us really well with expansion, because like I mentioned, these marketplaces are popping up in Australia, in the US, in the UK, um, and it's a really kind of it makes sense for us to go that route in terms of the visibility of getting our brand out there. Right. What's the vision that you share with your, your team? Do you want this to be Nudnik to be the biggest, the best, the smartest, the greenest? Yeah, it's it's exciting for us because I think we have a real niche that we've made here, which is that every product we will produce is not only made from waste, but also has that recycling and decomposition recycling plan, but also deconstruction plan. Um, so we also track our impact online right now. So if you check out our website, you'll notice that there are some hard hitting um, numbers that change as we as our sales go. Um, and it's showing our direct environmental, positive environmental impact um, with each product that we sell. So you can look at it as an overview at the front of our website to see how well we're doing as a company, but it also breaks it up onto product level as well. So if you go check out our t-shirt, for example, you'll see how many resources that will save just by purchasing that one t-shirt. Um, so it's it's all of those things combined, which excites us to be a standout um, in the marketplace of a brand really committed to doing it this way. And, you know, for our future, I mean, the greatest thing would just be having this massive umbrella of products made in the same way. Um, we really want to be a go-to place for people to be able to buy products made from waste that never contribute to waste and really have fun in the artfulness of them as well. That's so cool. Is there, um, I don't know, a network, an ecosystem of companies like yours where you get together and complain about things and share strategies and, uh, you know, help plot out new ways to collaborate and create greener supply chains and business processes. Does that happen? Uh, you know what? That's a good point. Maybe I should create something. But no, there. I mean, there's not something. There are like zero waste groups. There are circular economy groups. Um, but in terms of what you're saying is really offering that and being a safe place to unload our challenges and come up with solutions together. I'd have to say the closest things that we have right here in Canada, um, you know, there's some great players like Steve Bethel, who um, is from Beyond Retro. Um, you know, he uses post-consumer waste in the ways that we do, um, you know, and he's an active speaker in the circuit. Where is a, um, where in fashion takes action is an organization and where is their annual conference? Um, and it is a fantastic place to learn about circularity in fashion and sustainability in fashion. We're also, Nudnik is part of their uh, textile waste symposium. So it's really encouraging industry of all forms in Canada to look at the textile waste they're producing. This could be automotive, fashion, what have you, and figure out ways to, to reuse it in a circular, uh, in a circular way. Um, so I'd have to say that there are people championing, championing this idea in Canada. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of the struggles, like most of us are really pioneering it too. So it is, it is, you know, comforting to kind of, you know, throw some stuff off of each other once in a while, um, you know, and celebrate our collective successes because they really are collective. Right. 
Uh, one of the things I was in, intrigued by is that you've just gotten involved with Inniskillen's Changemaker Initiative. Um, it's pretty new. I know that Startup Canada is involved with it. I don't know much about it. Um, what What is this organization doing for you, and what does being a change maker mean to you? Yeah, I mean, change maker. When I when I and they use the word change maker, they use the word disruptor. Which, um, as you mentioned before, like our jumper on our website is called the game changer jumper, and our T-shirt is called the disruptor T-shirt. So, you know, this felt um, this felt like a this good felt fit on brand. <laughs> it felt on brand, and I was, you know, I was like, wow, okay, this this means something because. Um, you know, we are pioneering a new way of doing things. We are disrupting a very wasteful industry. Um, we are being very intentional about the products we make and who we're making them with. And to be recognized really in any capacity is rewarding, um, but especially in this capacity because it was essentially um, rewarding people in Canada for the things that are really important to us as a company as well. Um, so it felt like a, a, a really cool alignment. Um, and I mean, you know, like we talked about, Nudnik means little disruptor pest. So I'm, I'm also encouraged by them choosing people that, you know, are disrupting and making that a focus of this game changer initiative. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds amazing. Is that going to be a group that gets together, the, the companies involved in that uh, initiative, or is it a one-time thing? I hope so. I hope so. I think they have some plans for it. And um, I know it's still fairly new and, and they've been announcing, um, uh, you know, the winners and things like that, or the, the you know, the inner skill and change makers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been looking them up and connecting on LinkedIn. And um, I do hope that that turns into a, a group of community members that can kind of move their businesses along together for sure. I mean, I hope so too, because I'm a great believer in collaboration and, you know, you, you, so many of the challenges that organizations like yours face are, are, are common challenges. Your peers are facing them too. And there's just so much value in not, you know, reinventing uh, the, the wheel every time you go out there and find a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that this one really means a lot to my parents, too, because I definitely beat to my own drum as a kid. Um, and, you know, I think every success that we've had with this business um, and so many years spent as a, as a young person kind of not willing to conform in many ways. Um, you know, I think my parents are, are also seeing that this this, you know, mentality can be turned into something positive, too. So um, I do think that and I do hope that people who hear me or hear our story of Nudnik are inspired to, to do things a little bit differently and, and disrupt. One of the things I'm really interested in is the fact that you've co-founded a business with your sister and she's not just your sister, but she's your twin sister. There's lots of family businesses that I've been gotten to know or been involved with, but I don't think I've, I know of a business run by twins. Do you guys know what each other's thinking? Yeah, I mean, we do. Um, and I don't think we ever recognized this because we always just grew up side by side. Um, and it was just normal, but I spent a year in Australia, um, when I was about 24 years old and I came back after that year and we were in front of each other for the first time, having spent a year apart. And we had a conversation and we didn't even have to finish that sentence. We knew what each other was thinking. And so, I mean, we're so used to it now that we don't really recognize that in each other. But that was the moment where we realized that that was actually a thing. So we do. 
Um, and you know, working with your twin is a whole new ball game. Um, I remember when I started the Next Canada uh, course or program in 2018, um, Reza Sachu, who's who's the founder um, and also does the class, uh, one of the classes there, we were sitting there and he was talking about his business that he started with his brother. And he asked the class if anyone was in business with a sibling. And I raised my hand and we really had a chuckle. And he was like, oh boy. Um, <laughs> but ultimately- And that he was has twins. And he has twins. So that was a kind of a nice, you know, like that was a, an interesting introduction to each other. But um, that was a moment where I was like, okay, you get it. This is normal when you work with a sibling. And I'd, I'd have to say that it's amazing, first and foremost, especially being twins. We'd always dreamed of doing something together. Um, so, you know, that side of it is is wonderful that we've been able to realize that dream and we're living it. Um, you know, the other side of that is there really isn't any professionalism when working with a sibling. So, you know, you know, I, I worked for my dad for 15 years. That was a different experience because there was still a um, although I worked for other people that worked for him, I, I didn't always work for him directly. But there was still like a, a different type of respect, I guess, or tier there. Um, the boss's with, daughter, you think? Yeah, you know, like there's, you know, I wasn't going in there and, and ramming my ideas down his throat or anything like that. But with my sister and I, we're so passionate. And a lot of times those values and align, but a lot of times we butt heads too. So I'd have to say that working with my twin, there's zero professionalism. Um, but I'd have to say the other thing is just that the importance, if you do work with a sibling or you are looking to work with a sibling, is that you have to make time to be siblings. Um, it's so easy for us to just talk about work when we're together because it's startup life. I mean, we are, you know, we are working 100% of the time. And if the only exception I'd say to that is, of course, when I'm with my kids and I, I really try to make them my focus, of course. Um, but, you know, other than that, the business is on the brain all the time. So it's very easy for us to get together and just talk about work. So carving out that space to just be sisters is important. Um, and, you know, my, my husband's an environmental documentarian who did his first documentary on garbage, too, called The Garbage, The Revolution Starts at Home. So you can imagine what our family dinners are like. Um, you know, we've got my dad running Waysco. We've got my husband, my sister and I. My little brother works for my dad. I mean, it's very easy to start talking about the waste recycling crisis globally. Um, but I just think that, you know, making sure that you set boundaries in terms of work and family time is is extremely important. Right. Two final questions before I let you go. Um, are you in the fashion business or are you in the environmental business? It's so funny you ask that. Um, I am a waste management lifer through and through. It's my passion. Um, you know, I, you know, Nudnik and whatever I do in the future um, will always probably be centered around waste. So I would say we're a waste solutions company. My sister is definitely the more creative one. She has a background in fashion merchandising and she would say we're a fashion brand. So, I mean, we, we literally, I think we represent both uh, sides on that coin. That's amazing. So you're identical, but different. And, and that is the secret sauce, I think. It is. We didn't realize how we different we were from each other before we started a business. And I think it's been one of the most surprising and exciting things about it. And, and that's interesting because I didn't think that this question would, 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 would get that answer. But as we were talking about being in business with your twin, I was thinking, well, so often business partners should be complementary 
mm-hmm. rather than similar so that they bring different skills, different interests, and ability to see both sides, different sides, different, as- different aspects of a problem. So you, do, so you do have that despite being identical. We do. Sure. We really do. It's, it's, it's actually quite fascinating. All right. The last question I traditionally ask is if you have an actionable piece of advice or a tip that you could offer other entrepreneurs uh, to take away from this conversation and, and actually put into effect in their business. Yeah, this is a this is a great question. And as an entrepreneur myself, it really is these tidbits that I glom onto when I hear them. So, you know, it's a good it's an amazing thing that you you end your segments this way as well. But um, I have to say that I was in front of Dr. David Suzuki a couple years ago, and he said, whatever you do, do it through a sustainable lens. Um, so, you know, my biggest my biggest takeaway for everyone and I encourage everyone to do is whether you're in product service, you know, tech, what, what have you, is to really put on those sustainability goggles and take a hard look at your business. Um, if you see those cracks, really focus on repairing them. Um, I do believe that sustainability is going to be the biggest pillar in business moving forward. Um, and I and I really do encourage everyone to make sure that they're building that into their business. Like in whatever you do, are you taking care of people? Or are you taking care of the planet? Um, and if you're not, then you should be focused on building those things in. You said people or the planet. Can we choose or do we have to take care of both? But, well, I'd say both um, because, you know, for example, if you're like us in a product based business, it really is about the product and the sustainability measures that we're taking with the product level. But it's also about the people making it, um, you know, that those people could be the makers of your product. Those people could be the people that work for you, um, you know, the the people planet and if you're for a profit business we also talk about profit so people planet profit um, are a lot of the three p pillars of sustainable businesses today all right I, I i really love that the idea whatever you do do it with a sustainable lens because uh uh the the environment uh, the the social development goals are obviously going to become bigger and bigger and bigger until we actually know what all of them are yes and, <laughs> and uh and, and companies like yours that are out in front, uh, I think, have a great future. So congratulations on that. Lindsay LaRusso, CEO of Nudnik. Um, you're on Twitter at Little Nudniks. And uh, the, the, the website, if they want to look at what you have, is Nudnik Life. Is that right? Yes, Nudniklife.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, uh, you just keep pestering away, okay? And okay. keep disrupting. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Always a pleasure chatting with a fellow Nudnik. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.